when I was in, um, in college, I was, um, working, I was working multiple jobs. Uh, one of those jobs that I worked was at um, this little church in Garden Grove, a lighthouse Foursquare church, a teeny tiny little congregation um, that I got to serve uh, as their youth leader. And then I also on the side um, was their janitor. And so a couple times a week, I would head down to Garden Grove Foursquare and I would clean that facility to get it ready for our Wednesday service and for our Sunday morning service. Um, and when I would head there on Wednesdays, I would head to that church straight from um, one of my classes, one of my Bible classes, and it was a class, one of, one of the Wednesdays I can remember really vividly, it was a class in the book of Ephesians. And the beautiful thing about Bible college was that, that these professors weren't just professors, but they were also pastors, and when you would sit in their class, you weren't just intellectually engaged with the material, um, but we were having like full-on church services every time we were opening up the, the Word of God. Um, and so I can remember this particular Wednesday as we were going through um, Ephesians and actually part of the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning, how just powerful it was uh, to, to sit there with um, other students and with our professor as we were just overwhelmed with how much God loved us. And I can remember leaving straight from that class, um, getting into my car, making a pretty long drive in LA traffic um, to get down to Garden Grove uh, from San Dimas. And when I got there into the church, I was vacuuming the sanctuary. It was a church that had um, old school pews and so I was vacuuming in between each of the, the pews. And what I would do is I would, um, I would stop, and we had the pew Bibles, you know, in the back of the pews. And I'd pull out one of those pew Bibles, and I would read um, this, this section in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21. And I would just read the first, first little bit of that, um, put the Bible back, keep vacuuming, and as I just prayed through those words, um, it's, this section is a, a prayer from the Apostle Paul for the people of God. And so I was just praying these words as I was vacuuming. And then when I get to the next row, I'd pull out the Bible again and I'd read the next line and just kind of meditate on that as I was vacuuming. And I will tell you, I had such a powerful experience of God's presence and his love for me as I was just going about the ordinary work of vacuuming the floor. You know, we don't need a lot of, of fancy circumstances around us to experience God's presence, but his gift to us is that he'll meet us anywhere, um, anytime, no matter what it is that we are doing or going through. God, God wants us to know his love. He wants us to, to experience his beautiful, his beautiful presence with us. And that afternoon in God's presence and the morning in his presence at school, um, those, that day still sticks with me um, in my memory, memory now 20-something years later, just remembering the goodness of God. And so every time I read this passage in Ephesians, those, those feelings come flooding back, that memory of God's goodness. Um, and so my prayer for us this morning is that we would have that same kind of experience with God, that as we read this passage, that we would know the goodness of God, that we would know his 
deep, abiding love with us. And so I want to invite you this morning, um, if you would, if you're able to stand with me, and we're going to read this passage, Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Um, This is from a a translation that you might not be super familiar with. It's called the Kingdom New Testament translation. And I just enjoyed that for a passage that maybe some of us are super familiar with or somewhat familiar with, that some of the language has just changed enough to make it fresh and new. And so would you join me as uh, we read this passage? Because of this, I am kneeling down before the Father, the one who gives the name of family to every family that there is in heaven and on earth. My prayer is this, that he will lay out all the riches of his glory to give you strength and power through his spirit in your inner being, that the king may make his home in your hearts through faith, that love may be your root, your firm foundation, and that you may be strong enough with all God's holy ones to grasp the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the king's love, though actually it is so deep that nobody can really know it. So may God fill you with all his fullness. So to the one who is capable of doing far, far more than we can ask or imagine, granted the power which is working in us, to him be glory in the church and in King Jesus to all generations and to the ages. Amen. So God, we do ask that these words would be true this morning. God, that we would be filled with all of your fullness God, that we would experience you doing a deep work in our inner being. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Paul's prayer for us to be strengthened with power through his spirit. In this this first section, um, in verse 16, he says, My prayer is this that he will lay out all the riches of his glory to give you strength and power through his spirit in your inner being. That God's desire is for us to experience his goodness. And as, oh, all of a sudden I'm looking at my notes and thinking every other page is missing. I'm just going to have to go from memory, but I... Printer just did double-sided, so we're good this morning. <laughs> I was going to say, all right, every other page is going to be interesting, guys. Paul prays that, that out of God's riches, the riches of his glory, that he would do a work within us. The riches of God's glory could really be described as the sum total of God, all God's attributes, his love, fact that he is eternal, almighty, all-knowing, good, the source of life, the creator, all wisdom, full of mercy and holy, that that the sum total of all that God is, that is out of, of this richness that God is wanting to do a work in us. The wealth of the world is is fleeting and riches come and go, but God's abundance is not something that gets depleted like our bank account, right? Like our bank account, no matter how large it is, as we start spending from it, it decreases. But that's not the kind of, of riches that Paul is describing here. He is describing the riches of, of who God is 
and that it is out of, of his very being that he wants to give to us. It's not some source outside of himself that he's dishing out to his children, but it's his very self, his very being that he is giving to us. This is the kind of strength and empowerment that God wants to give. It is out of these riches that the Spirit of God is strengthening us. This strength and power that comes to us through his Spirit. Out of his abundance, he is giving us strength. He is giving us power, and a power that isn't ours. Our whole lives, we try to accomplish things under our own strength. Right? Everything that we, we put our hands to, for most of us, our first instinct is to try under our own power, and then when all else fails, we turn to God and ask for him to kind of add on top of what we've already done, right? Like we hit up against our, our upper, upper levels of our own ability, our own strength, our own understanding, and then we, we ask God, can you, can you please empower me from this place? But God is wanting to do a strengthening and an empowering within us that is not the kind of strength and power that we have on our own. We've tried our intellect and our instincts. We've tried doing more and working harder. We've tried controlling situations and people. We've tried power and force. We've tried bringing all that we are to bear on whatever circumstance or task is in front of us, whatever relationship dynamic is in front of us. We try to bring all that we are to it, and we find that our power, our strength is insufficient. Our power runs out. Our power reaches its upper limit. Our power eventually gets depleted and needs to be recharged. Our power isn't up for the challenges that we face in life. And really, we figure this out pretty early on in life, right? That, that all that we are and all that we have isn't enough to figure out the hurdles and the obstacles and the reality of life in this world. But the power that God wants to work in us is so different than our own. It's not a power that ever runs out or needs recharging. It's not a power that ever reaches its limit. This is the power that was at work in God to create the universe around us. This ever-expanding universe, the vastness of space, the beauty of nature, the intricacies of the human body, the awe-inspiring detail of the microscopic and sub-microscopic world. It's this kind of power that is at work, giving strength to God's people. It's the power that God exerts over nations and realms, a power that we see on display in Scripture in the story of God's people being brought out of Egypt. It's God's power at work over the non-human spiritual realm, the unseen powers at work in the world that all will one day be subject to him. It's the power of God at work in resurrection, power over death itself. The same power that raised Christ 
from the dead is the kind of power that Paul is praying that we would experience as Jesus followers. That power strengthening us within. There is no circumstance that you can be walking through that the power of Jesus Christ is insufficient to deal with. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. And he is doing this work of strengthening and power in our inner being. The location of God's work in us. God wants to strengthen our inner being, our our thoughts, our will, the location of our intellect and emotions and desires, our impulses, instincts, and passions, that this is the the realm that God wants to do a powerful, strengthening work of his Holy Spirit. See, Paul's prayer for the believers is not one of changing their circumstances. He isn't praying for the world around the believers, which are both legitimate things to pray for. Right? Jesus himself invites us to pray for our circumstances and to pray for the world around us. But here in this moment, Paul's prayer is directed towards a strengthening that happens within the follower of Christ. This is what causes Paul to bend his knee before the father of all families on earth. That there would be a miracle that would happen inside each one of us. We all need miracles for circumstances around us, circumstances that need to be changed. And God often wants to accomplish these kinds of miracles. But God also wants to do a work in us and not just a work for us. Beth Moore said it well when she said that the greatest miracle of all continues to be a changed life. I praise God for signs and wonders and amazing miracles that he still does in the world around us. But one of the miracles I think that we overlook and take for granted is the miracle that God is doing and wants to continue to do in your life, changing you from the inside out. Those areas in your life that other people might not see the results of that miracle right off the bat. Those, those hidden places within us that God wants to shape and transform. A miracle that's not easily um, advertised or, or shown to the world around us, but it is a miracle nonetheless that God wants to work in you, giving you strength and power, filling you with his Holy Spirit. The importance here is what God is doing in us and and who we are becoming, not just what we're doing or accomplishing for God. The life God is empowering us for is not one that's defined by the measure of all that we can do or all that we can accomplish. It's a life defined by the transformational power of Jesus Christ at work in us shaping us to be the kind of people who are becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, filled with love, displaying the fruit of the Spirit, a a life totally transformed. He is at work in us, strengthening the weak places, fortifying us, empowering us, enabling us where we are unable. 
So when we come before God, we say, God, I, I don't know what to do with this fear that is crippling me. He is at work in you. God, I keep returning to this, this sin, this compulsion. He is strengthening you. God, I don't know how to handle this anger that explodes out of me. He is at work in your inner being. God, there is so much about me that needs to change, and I don't know where to start. Out of his abundant riches, he is doing a work in you. God, life is too much, and I don't have enough. God is giving you out of his very self. When you don't have enough, God gives you all that he is. Paul's, Paul prays that this inner strengthening will lead to Jesus being at home in our hearts. That the king may make his home in your hearts through faith. That love may be your root, your firm foundation. And so Paul prayed for us to experience a strengthening. And here Paul is praying that we would experience a depth with Jesus. When Solomon's temple in the, the Old Testament was built, um, Solomon and, and the nation of Israel had been working and working. I mean, the, the amount of, of workers that went into building this, the amount of resources and gold um, and wood that went into building this temple was just exorbitant. Uh, and when it was finally done, Solomon came um, to the temple, and he prayed a prayer of dedication that this building um, would be dedicated to God. And as that prayer ended, the glory of God fell upon that place, like a cloud that came down, and there was cloud and fire that, that descended upon the temple, and all of the people around saw that God was dwelling here in this place. That God was not far off, but he had taken up residence. He had moved into the temple, and that that was where he lived and resided. But the language that's used in 2 Chronicles 7 to describe this, this filling of God's glory into the temple, God's dwelling there, is really similar to what we read in Acts chapter 2. This, this fire that comes down and settles onto the temple in Acts chapter 2, we see a fire that comes down, but instead of settling onto a building made by human hands, instead of settling onto a building that was made of stone and wood and precious metal, the, the place that the fire of God settled down on was God's people. That, that, that is where Jesus desired to live, to dwell and that's still true today, that the Spirit of God, that Jesus Christ wants to dwell in us through his Spirit, that we together are the temple of God, more beautiful than that amazing temple that Solomon built, that God's desire has always been to dwell in and with his people. The way that God filled the temple and took up long-term residence in that location is the way God is at work living in his church today. The weight of his glory and his presence in us and with us. That everywhere that we walk and move and every circumstance we encounter and every person that we meet, 
that we are bringing that temple presence of Jesus, that, that powerful weight of his glory everywhere we go. I had a professor once that, that asked when he was teaching this passage, is it possible for Jesus to be in the home but not at home? And I think that's where, where Paul is going with this prayer when he says that the King, Christ, Messiah, may take, make his home in our hearts through faith. That it is, it is not just Jesus um, being with us in the sense that, that when we gave our lives to Christ, there is a reality of that when we gave our lives to Christ, that, that he is in us. But this kind of prayer that Paul is praying is for a people who, who have already been walking with Christ. And it is for them that Paul is praying that Jesus would, would settle down and dwell in their hearts. That there would be an even, even deeper experience of Jesus being in us and with us. that Jesus would have ever-increasing access to and rule over our lives as we walk with him daily. It's the difference between um, a friend from 20 years ago and the friend of 20 years. Right? I, I gave my life to Jesus over 30 years ago, and it would be one thing for me to just point back to a day 30-something years ago that I met Jesus, but it is very different to have 30 years of walking with Jesus. And that's what Paul is longing for the, for the believers, that we wouldn't just have had a one-time experience with Jesus, but we would have an, an ever-deepening experience of him, a day-by-day -day filling, a day-by-day -day experience of Jesus living in us, filling us, transforming us, shaping us. And he does this through faith a beautiful partnership through God's power, the work of the Holy Spirit and our faith. That God isn't just going to overpower us with his brute strength and make change and transformation happen in our life, but he wants to partner with us, that, that our faith, our, our allegiance, our loyalty to him, our responsiveness to his faithfulness would be at work with his empowering to do a mighty, mighty work in our lives. And Paul prays that as we are strengthened and as Christ takes up residence in us, that love may be the root, your firm foundation. The language here is a picture of, of a tree and of a building. So if you think in your mind like a, a beautiful, tall tree, a tree is able to grow tall and not fall over because of the root system that supports it, going down deep into the soil. And the soil here that, that Paul is, is describing for our lives is a soil of God's love, that our lives would be able to grow to new heights because he is deepening our experience of Jesus in the soil of his love. And then the language of, of a, a firm foundation, a building being built, in emotionally healthy discipleship that we've gone through together um, as a congregation, the language there um, of this deep below the surface kind of work that God wants to do in our lives, it's kind of like this, this idea of, of what, what's the foundation below us. That if you see any kind of high rise being built, 
you don't see a lot of activity for a while because all of the activity and work is below the surface. That the higher that building is going to need to grow, the deeper the foundation needs to be. And so Paul is praying that for us, that we would have an experience of our lives being built down deep into the foundation of God's love for us. That our roots would go down and that the building of our lives would be built on the love of Jesus. My mom really likes um, hydrangeas. You guys know those flowers that have all the, the little parts, but they make like these giant balls of color. And they come in all kinds of different colors. Uh, but what I didn't realize was that the colors, you could have one plant, a hydrangea plant, um, and if you planted it in a certain soil with its unique pH level, um, you're gonna get maybe a bright blue or a deep blue hydrangea. But you could take that same plant and plant it in a different kind of soil, and the color is gonna change. It might end up being purple or pink or fuchsia. The, the, the change to the fruit, so to speak, of this, this plant is based on the kind of soil that it's planted in. And for the follower of Jesus, for us, the, the kind of soil that we are meant to live in is a soil of, of Jesus's abiding love for us. And that as our roots go down into that kind of soil, the fruit that is born from our lives is going to be a fruit that is in line with the kind of soil we're planted in. That, that our lives will begin to produce and show the same kind of love that we're experiencing from Jesus Christ. And as we go down deep into the love of Jesus, I believe we'll become the type of people who love deeply, who love God, who love our neighbors, who love our siblings in Christ, and who even love our enemies. And Paul continues his prayer by asking that, Yet that you may be strong enough with all God's holy ones to grasp the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the king's love, though actually it's so deep that no one can really know it. This summer, um, our family got to go on a trip um, up to Montana, and then we headed over to Washington and visited some of my family. Um, and one day we went out to a lake called American Lake, um, and just got to swim around in this beautiful, um, rather cold lake, but it was still fun. Um, there were these, these pylons that were there in the lake, and my boys and Vince and my, um, my nieces and nephew, they were enjoying swimming around in this water, and what they were doing is they went over to these pylons in the lake, and they were trying to see how deep down they could go. They were grabbing on and just kind of using their strength to, to pull themselves down and try to see who could go deeper and deeper and try to reach the, the bottom of this lake. Nobody ended up reaching the bottom. Well, Vince is, Vince is now saying that, that he was able to touch the bottom. Okay. <laughs> he won against all of the children, so <laughs> make sure you congratulate him after service. But they, everyone was just enjoying exploring the depths of this lake, right? There is something about humanity um, that we like to explore kind of the outer reaches of the world around us. 
We like to explore the depths and heights, the outer expanses. We like to climb mountains. Um, we like to hike in wildernesses, to dive in the ocean, uh, to shoot ourselves into rock, in rockets into outer space, all because there's something about our imagination that wants to explore and to, to see the limits around us. Paul's prayer is a prayer that we would have that same kind of um, explore, exploratory passion to plumbing the depths of God's love. That the same way um, my kids and my husband and my nieces, niece and nephews wanted to explore the depths of that lake, American Lake, um, that we would have that same kind of experience with God. It's a picture here being painted for us of, of the vast expanse of God's love that you could look at and never see the outer edges that you could run for eternity and not find the end, that you could climb to the highest heights and not find the upper limit. You could swim for ages and never find the bottom. This kind of vastness is the ocean of God's love, a love that is beyond knowing. And it's an oxymoron here, right, for us to, to want to know something that is unknowable for us. How do you know something that's too deep to know? Which is why Paul prays that we would have the strength to grasp it. It's not just a strength to, to mentally understand, but it's, it's not just comprehension, it's apprehension. Like getting our hands around, being able to touch and feel and experience God's love. We, we are not going to be a people who are transformed by head knowledge of how much God loves us. We're a people who will be transformed when that experience is something that, that deeply touches who we are. A baby doesn't have any kind of head knowledge that they're loved, right? Think of a, a newborn infant. They experience love as they're held. They experience love as, as their parents' eyes lock with theirs. They experience love that when they cry, someone responds and feeds them. Or when they cry, someone comes and holds them or changes them. That, that, that's a way of, of an infant experience and knows love. Not because they could tell you what love is. Not because they've, they've studied scripture enough to understand what love is. But it's because they, they've been held in their parents' arms. They've been loved and they, they just know it deep within them. That's the kind of love that Paul wants us to know and experience, that God wants us to know and experience, one that goes so much further than just here, but it's an experience that, that encompasses all that we are. And he prays that God would fill us with all his fullness. The, our boys had um, this Friday off of school, and so we took an opportunity to drive up to Idlewild, which we've lived in San Diego for 14-something years and had never been to Idlewild, right? So, like, hey, everyone's got the day off, so we um, went up, drove up to Idlewild, and while we were there, we stopped into this chocolate shop. Um, it's this chocolate shop where they, they roast um, the, the chocolate there themselves, they hand make it, it, 
They told us it was all single origin chocolate, so you can imagine what the price tag of, of the chocolate was, right? right? The more like fancy descriptions are. Um, so when we went there with our boys and saw all the chocolate that was laid out and each one of us um, picked a chocolate, right? Like <laughs> a chocolate to, to buy and taste. Um, but it was not enough for anyone to get full, right? We, we got to taste a really good chocolate, um, but our wallets told us we were not going to be full on chocolate that day. We were just going to taste and see that it was really good. If we had wanted to be full, right, we, we left disappointed, but we got a beautiful taste. But I think this is often how we live in our relationship with God. We get these glimpses and tastes of his goodness and his love for us. We, we get to taste a little bit of the fullness of who God is. But we're satisfied with, with walking away with just a taste. Or we're satisfied with just kind of rubbing shoulders with the goodness of God. Having a, a one-time experience of his, his overwhelming love for us. And, and then we, we walk away, but we're still left hungry because we weren't designed for just a taste of God's love or just a single experience of God's love. We, we weren't designed to live off of an experience from 10 years ago or one year ago or even a week ago. We're designed to be filled to the full of Jesus Christ to be filled to the full of his love, to not just taste and know that he's good, but to keep coming back to the source and to keep being filled to the full of all God is and all God has for us. We don't want to be a people who's satisfied with small doses of Jesus, right? We want to be a people who who experience not the, the fun-sized candy bar of God's love for us, but the, the, the excess that is here in this, this verse, the, the kind of over-the-top language, that we would be filled with the fullness of God, that the God who fills the cosmos, all right, we're going to read later on here in Ephesians, that the fullness of Christ will fill all things, and this kind of fullness, God longs to fill us, like humans. The same kind of fullness that will fill the entire cosmos, God wants us to experience that same thing within us. Like a kind of bursting from the seams type of fullness. And after Thanksgiving dinner, when you ate too much, but you're still going to eat three different kinds of pie fullness, <laughs> right? Like the fullness that kind of hurts because you can tell that it's, it's just pushing up against everything that you are. That's the kind of fullness of God that we're meant to live in. Not just a little $4 piece of chocolate, right? But the entirety of who God is filling us to the full. And so Paul ends his prayer with this praise to God. So to the one who is capable of doing far, far more than we can ask or imagine, 
granted the power which is working in us to him be glory in the church and in King Jesus to all generations and to the ages of ages. Amen. If what Paul is asking God for is a lot, he ends his prayer by praising God because he knows that God is capable of doing even more than that. Like the whatever we could wrap our minds around to think of a kind of experience that we might have with God's love. Whatever picture we could get in, in our minds of what it would look like to live firmly rooted into Jesus Christ, to have him fully dwelling in us, to know the height and length and depth and breadth of God's love. Whatever we could imagine it might be like to be filled to the fullness of the God who fills the entire universe, God is able to do even more than that. Right? More than our imaginations could figure out, more than the boldness we might um, muster up to ask God for, God wants to meet us there and go so much farther. So I'm going to invite Dominic to come back up. And the reality is we are not transformed by a sermon that helps us to, to see or imagine God's love. All right, what we're transformed by is an experience of God, right? What we're transformed by is God's spirit working in us in partnership with our faith. And so this morning, I just wanted to create some room for us to sit in God's love, to know his presence with us, and to maybe take the words of, of this prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, maybe pull it up on your phone or in your Bible, and just read over those requests that Paul makes, and just make that prayer your own, and just say, God, I, I want to know the fullness of all that you have for me. I want to know your love in a deeper way. I want you to, to, to dwell in me in a more full and robust way. I want my life to be shaped and transformed by all that you are and all that you have, by the riches of your glory. Would you empower me today? So let's just sit with Jesus for a while and see what he might want to do in us and through us today.